Um, tonight, the Lord has put a message on my heart that I have been um, wrestling with for, for a little bit of time now. It's not something that many of us have heard of. Um, if you've been around church for long enough, you've probably heard of it. But it's to me, it's as if we have this new enlightenment of grace that we have forgotten the message that the early church had. The old timers understood something about holiness. Every move of God was always precipitated by a call to holiness and repentance. Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, he said, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So what is it? What does it mean to be sanctified? It comes from a Latin word, sanctus, which means holy. So, I was researching and going through these things, and, and I was, as I was look, thinking about some of my theology from Bible school, there are some that say that it's a secondary work of salvation. It's separate. It's part of a different whole process. And I'm not tonight, I'm not trying to give us a theological position, but I want us to put us in a better position so we can understand and position us before the King of Kings. Sanctification is where He and I are, become intertwined. It is, it is this place where Him and I become one. This is where I have His heart, where I have His mind. Things I don't just say these things flippantly, because we say these things today very flippantly, that we have the mind of Christ. We say that we, we, we have His heart, and yet a lot of times we see people that truly don't have His heart, that really don't have His mind. So, I don't see that being displayed. I don't see people operating in those things, but yet we've, we speak them out as though they are, are truth, but yet we haven't actually seen them come into pass. Today I want you to look, there's, I believe there's three types of people that have come to the Lord, and here's, here's what they are. There's three types. The first one is those who, when, when God comes into their life, they just reshuffle things. Nothing really changes. They don't really get rid of anything, but they shuffle things around in their heart and in their lives, and all of a sudden, there's just a better appearance about them. The next kind of people are those who've eradicated the larger items. They've moved them out. They've gotten rid of the big sins just so that they're away from them, but truly, nothing has happened inwardly. And then there's the last type, those who have eradicated the larger items, but don't settle there. They, don't, they want their basement cleaned out. They want to rip out the things that have been entrenched in them. And they want to remove all those things. Three types of people. The reshufflers. The second time, they have cleared out the clutter. But, but when it comes to really getting to where they need to go deeper with God, they're afraid of the pain, they're afraid of the effort, they're afraid of what it's going to take to get there. They're happy with a moral plane that is higher than they were before. And honestly, I believe that this is probably where most of the church is today. We've settled for a moral plane that is higher than the rest of the world, and we're content there. Because you know why? Right there, the enemy doesn't bother you. You know, we've improved our lives. We're doing better. And here's a place where no one... Were, you know, we don't get bothered by the enemy. We just we get smooth sailing right here. The difficulty here is, is I don't know if we're truly saved. See... <laughs> 
Paul said it like this. He says it again. He says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and He will do it. I want us to understand tonight is this, is that He wants to go deeper than just this moral plane. He wants the process to change us from inside out. I want you to think about the refinement process. I was thinking about this week. When something is refined, you take water and you boil it. And what you get is a purified water on the other side. You'll see here that salt water, dirty water, can all be made pure by the same process of refinement. What, is, what, does, what does it take? It takes boiling something... And then what you get is the, the, the liquid that comes off of that has been purified by evaporation. And so it's, I believe sanctification has that same process in mind in our lives. He can take something salty, dirty, filthy, and what He wants to do is transform it into something that is pure. Justification is positional holiness given at salvation. It's called justification by faith in Christ. We do nothing, nothing more than believe. It is an act of God on our behalf. Some of us like to stay right there. Isn't that all there is to it? Isn't that the end of it? See, God has called us to live transformed lives. That's why He talked about sanctification. Yes, I'm, He has justified us. But then there is a moving on from there. The church has camped at justification and they have not moved past it. The Puritans would say, if you are not moving forward, you're backsliding. The idea of sanctification in the Old Testament, Leviticus 21, 6-8. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the Lord's food offerings, the bread of their, their God, therefore they shall be holy. You shall sanctify them, for He offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I am the Lord who sanctify you, and I am holy. In the New Testament... The word sancti, sanct, sanctify is the verb of the word holy. So what he's saying is, he wants to make us holy. He wants to set us apart. Paul said it again in Ephesians 5.25. He says, Christ loved the church and He gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any other such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. See, tonight I'm talking about going beyond justification and going to a place where God wants to clean us from inside out, body, soul, and spirit. It's called grace-driven effort. This is what I, I made this word up, okay? It's not positional. That's already been done for us. This is a true interchange of character. The men of past knew about this when they talked about the word sanctification. There were two words that they talked about. The first one was this, vivification. 
This is the pursuit of God that, was, that it was with all that was within us. Colossians 3.1 talks about this. He says, setting your mind on things above. A pursuit of God. Vivification. The second thing was a mortification. That you can kind of just, by those, the simple word, you can kind of think, oh, you must be talking about death there. They are. They're talking about putting to death. The things that are revealed to us as God brings them, as we get closer to Him. Mortification is about death. It's killing sin, sin as violently and as often as necessary. It's waging an all-out war against what is contrary to the life in Christ. Vivification is positive. It says, I will pursue. The, the, the mortification says that I will put to death anything that is not Christ. That's what sanctification is. It's, a, it's the combining the two. It's where I say, okay, God, I'm putting to death what this, this needs to get out of my life. I'm putting this down. I'm putting this away from me. But I am going to pursue you. Oh, you, you know what? You just let something else come into my life. So what he's saying is, listen, I want you to die, and then I want you to pursue. I want you to die, and I want you to pursue. It's a process. He's saying, that's how you get sanctified. That's how you sanctify this body, this mind, this spirit. Scott was preaching some time back. And I remember he, sa- he told me he had said, we're just sinners saved by grace. And then somebody got up after him and said something of the nature, no, we're, we're all saints. But I will tell you this today, there's nothing wrong with saying we're sinners saved by grace. Because every single day, every single day, I want to put to death that which is in me. I'm telling you right now, if you think you've arrived, you've got ways to go. Every time we get closer, he says, guess what? Here's something else. Maybe you didn't see this when you were going along here. But I'm telling you, as we go along this place, God says, yes, he will, he's bringing us into that procession where we are saints. But it's a process that he's doing in us. And see, I think it's almost as if we like to, we'd like to talk ourselves into the fact that we're these things. Oh, I have the mind of Christ. And we, 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 we kind of broadcast it. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And, in, and when truthfully, we don't. It's like, it's like saying we're saints when we're really constantly walking in sin. God wants to move us from that place to a place of sanctification where we truly are walking in Him. Where we truly do have His mind. And that process is not immediate at salvation, but it is the beginning place. He says, now, I'm going to have you walk this out with me. Put to death. Put to death. Pursue. Put to death. Pursue. See, it's a cooperative effort that He performs in us. Cooperative in the fact that we yield ourselves, submit ourselves when we've truly died to ourselves. In each encounter during this process draws me closer. Another part of me dies, yet I gain a new part of Him. When we are partakers of His divine nature, it's not of ourselves. That's not the goal. It's putting aside ourselves so that He can backfill. Do you see what I'm saying? As it's, it's that Go back to that, that process that I was talking about when they were, when they were uh, making distilled water there. That process is removing the impurities. And letting that which is pure come in. That's what God wants us to do. That dying process says, listen, if you die right here, I am promise to backfill as long as you pursue me. 
I will continue to backfill. Every place, everything that you get rid of, I will backfill that as long as you pursue me. You do not give up. You do not relent. You stay resolved and resilient. You say, you know what? No matter what it takes, I will die to this day. I will die this day. Paul says, I die daily. I'm talking about a process that begins and ends with my death. Death, when I come to Him at salvation, and then that physical death, when we recognize one day that as we stand before God in that perfect, sanctified state, He makes us truly holy. But along that road, He wants to make us holy. He wants to make this body holy. He wants to make that mind holy. See, but we've, we've settled for a moral... Highness that makes us feel good, and we think we've arrived. John Piper says this about the definition of sanctification. He says, progressively becoming more like Jesus. Gradually becoming like Jesus or becoming holy. Becoming conformed to the image of Christ. Little by little, over time, from conversion till Jesus comes back or you die. You are in the process of sanctification. Becoming sanctified. Becoming holy. The only sin that can de- defeat... The only sin that can defeat us is an unforgiven sin. And as long as we keep walking in that death march with God, we put it to death. If we allow that sin to stay, it can overcome us. But as long as we keep putting it to death. Hebrews 10.14 says this, For by one offering He has perfected all of those who are being... doesn't say there. Actually, in the NIV it says, being made holy. Being sanctified. So, His sacrifice justifies us. But He wants to perfect us throughout this life, being, making us... It's a process. He wants to make us holy. He wants to make us like Him. That is why John Bunyan, in his book, The Holy War, he said, Sanctification involves conflict with myself, with my flesh, with the world, and with Satan. If a Christian is not battling with sin, the Puritans would say that that person should question whether he is a Christian at all. One Puritan painted this picture. He said... That to be a Christian is a walk, a narrow, straight path. On both sides of the path, there are hedges. Behind those hedges, Satan has all the powers of evil at his disposal. He uses his army of demons and even our internal inconsistencies and our proneness to fall into backsliding. He uses all these things as arrows in every step we take along the spiritual pilgrimage. He shoots through and over the hedge, aiming at our feet, our heart, our hands, and our eyes. Every step of the way is a battle. I'm reminded of the, the book years ago, This Present Darkness. And that's exactly what we live in. We live in a present darkness. Darkness surrounds us. That's what that picture looks like. As you're walking along this little precipice, every, anything to your side, anything, you, there's cliffs all over, and you're just walking along this path. God, it's very difficult. Yes! It was not made easy. He made it easy by justifying us. His death on the cross was fully sufficient. But He wants to keep us on that path as long as we will allow Him to. But know this, the enemy's looking for any place he can get a hold of us. Shooting at our feet. 
shooting at our hands, shooting at our heart, doing anything He can to distract us. However, there is a snag, said the Puritans. It's just like a woman who dusts her house. You, you get it all cleaned up. You think it's all good. You women will relate to this. You think, okay, there's no more dust. Until the sun comes along and shows you exactly whatever, where all the inconsistencies are. See, that's exactly how it is with Christ. As we get closer to Him... We See, that's why this whole idea of a, a moral plane cannot stand. Because the, the, the difference is, is God wants us to see this stuff. He wants, us, he wants to remove that too. He wants to clean it all up. He wants us to walk in Him before a, a pure, holy, godly. It's... it's it's an empowered will that Christ has given us. Our will engaged to fight sin with blood-bought power. In other words, God intends that part of our experience of sanctification be the conscious, willed opposition to specific sins in our lives. I can only say part of this because there are times when as we come to Christ, He removes that thing from us and we go, man, I don't... Where did that go? I don't, I don't struggle with that anymore. But the rest of it, it seems like we will battle, fight, and scratch and claw just to get rid of those things that, that seem to want to overtake us. I was reminded this week, Billy told me, and, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say, I know I may lose people, I'm, that's okay. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. A woman told Billy, she said, I pray that God blesses my marijuana bowl so I use it to His glory. Now, <laughs> I can't, I, I don't even know, I'm, I can't even imagine, Ron, <laughs> can you imagine? We, you know, marijuana is called a gateway drug. What it does is it leads to others. Uh, it, it opens the door. And the fact that we would think that this is okay. See, if we treat sin with anything other than contempt in our lives, and I don't mean looking at other sin. It's, it's real easy. It, we want to change the agenda real quickly. Hey, let's talk about the homosexual thing. Let's talk about... No, you know what? Let's talk about what God's doing right here in our lives. Let's talk about this sin right here that faces me in front of me. Let's don't worry about that over there. That'll take care of itself. If I get in position where I need to be with Christ, it doesn't matter. See, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like when the, the lion of lust comes out of the bushes, what do we do? We, we battle it. Do we just sit back and go, okay, I'm going to wait for God to perform a miracle. I'm just going to allow this to happen. I, I could, it just overtook me. 
No, we battle it. We, we, we confront it. And it's the same thing for the other areas of our life. And I think sometimes I almost, I almost miss this because at times we'll go, okay, we know, how to, we know how to battle lust or we know how to battle alcoholism. We know how to battle all these things. But when selfishness, pride, or blaming others comes along, we don't take the same stance against those things. We go, well, we just kind of, well, that's just who I am. And God said, no, listen, I want you to take the same approach. I want you to take the same defensive attitude, the same vigilance. Peter O'Brien calls it a continuous, sustained, strenuous effort against my besetting sins. We can't be passive. Just like you can't be passive with lust, men, you have to say, you know what? I make a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to turn my eyes away. I'm going to make a covenant with my heart that I'm not going to allow these things to come into my life. We have to do the same thing with all the other areas. Selfishness, pride, blaming. Blaming can be a sin. I'm guilty of it. Something happens. First thing I do is I blame my wife. I do. Hey, what happened? Hey, you did it. Why did you do it? And you know what? Sometimes, she, it's, it's amazing, is that if I were to do the same thing, I, w- I, don't, I don't have, I'm like, well, that was okay. But when it's her, it's very easy to point the finger. Connie, what are you doing? How did you let this happen? And then I did it. And then I'll find out later on that I did it. And then it's even worse. <laughs> but we have to get into a position where we work and will to kill our sin. See, that's why Philippians 2.12 says to work out your salvation with fear and trivelling. I want you to remember this word tonight. Anthem. We go on the attack with anthem. What is anthem? It means avoid. We go on the attack with anthem by saying no within five seconds. When something comes along... We make that conscious effort. See, that's how we have to do with lust. That's how we have to do with selfishness. When selfishness comes in, we need to say no within five seconds. We need to turn to something magnificent like Jesus Christ crucified. Turn your eyes away. Move yourself into a whole different position. Hold on to the pure thing in mind until the dirty thing is gone. You know what? I'm going to just, let's just get real, okay? How many times have you went to pray and the enemy tries to put the most dirty thing in your mind? I guess it's probably just me. You have to hold on. You have to take a a position. You have to take a a conscious effort against those things. Enjoy the greater pleasure of the blood-brought promises of God. And last one is move to a meaningful Christ-exalting activity. Don't meditate on that thing. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your mind. Don't, and you cannot go, well, what if? Maybe if I would have, what if I did, what if? No, don't say what if. Get, don't say what if. That's how you get the renewed mind. You know, it's like, give you an example of the renewed mind. When we lived down in Los Angeles, we moved from San Pedro over to Torrance. And I worked kind of in a spot where you would have to go and make a decision to go to the, either place. And so uh, after we had moved, I, would, I was driving home and I, I kind of had to remember that I had to make a conscious decision. Wait, hey, 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 Greg, you need to make a right turn here on Pacific Coast Highway just so you can get home. And if I allowed myself just to kind of go through the motions, I found myself one day continuing to drive all the way to San Pedro. In fact, I almost got all the way to the house, the old house. And then I realized, what are you doing? 
If you want to make the right choice, if you, you, there's times in our life when, in this sanctification process where we have to make a determination. You have to think about it. Okay, where do I live? Oh, I live over here. Okay. And it's the same thing in our relationship with Christ. I have to make a conscious decision. Okay, no. This is the way He wants me to go. If we sit back and we think a miracle is going to happen and it's just going to all of a sudden go away, it isn't. We're going to have to take captive those thoughts. We have to get to the place where we don't go, that's just the way I am. It's my nature. If that's your nature, it's the wrong nature. If I'm selfish, which I tend to be, I always want to take care of me. When I fast on Saturdays, I'll be honest with you. I come in here and I lay down and the first thing I thought is, I could like, I'd like a sandwich right now. And I'm like, Lord, where did that come from? I don't even like sandwiches that much. But I'm hungry. It's the wrong nature. If, 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 if those things, if those character flaws in our lives are there and, they, and, and we just go, well, that's just part of me, then I want you to know that's part of the old self that we're supposed to get rid of. It's a constant dying. It's a constant killing of sin. It's ever reaching and stretching and pursuing Him. What did I talk about? Vivification and mortification. Constantly pursuing, constantly dying. Some things are obvious sin and they must be put to death. But I want to say, I want to, I'm going to meddle a little bit farther tonight. I, if I haven't offended you yet, I'll make sure I try to do before we get done here. <laughs> there are things that we know are wrong. We put those things to death. But I want to offer you tonight, there are things that are morally neutral that still must be rejected. What are you talking about? If they create in me a drift... If they create in me a drift away from the things of God, put it to death. If they hinder my walk, put it to death. If it draws me away, get rid of it. If it doesn't fuel passion, take it out and put a bullet in it. See, if we ask the question, well, where does it say I can't do that in the Bible? Then I'll tell you what you're already thwarting the process of sanctification in your life. Because this process of sanctification, it will remove things in your life that are not even morally bad, but you know in your life they have to be gone. Because they deter you, detract you, take you away from where God wants you to go. Jeremiah chapter 6 Jeremiah here is addressing the false prophets. And he says this in, in 6.14. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. The King James Version, I tell you, it puts it a little different. It says, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly. Saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. See... This is what the church has done today. We have slightly helped people. They're morally better. So are Mormons. So are Jehovah Witnesses. Have we gotten to the place where we're not just dressing the wound, 
and covering it slightly, but we're removing that, dying to that place. See, this is, this is, I will be honest with you, the agenda of, of most of the churches of the world is, is exactly that. Put a band-aid on it. You'll be fine. Pat you on the back. Ron and I talk about it. They want, want to offer them cookies and, and some milk and some chocolate and pat them on the bottom and make sure that they pay their tithe and keep them coming. And instead, the Word of God doesn't line up with that. It confronts us every single day. It puts, it puts me right here. It goes, Greg, that's who you are. Mm. Man, i got to get rid of that. See, as the sun shines down on that dust, it becomes more... You, you're, you see, you're, now you're not battling these, these big sins anymore. In, in, the, in the world's eyes, now you're dealing with really the character issues which are, which are bigger. Pride. Selfishness. That's the ones that, that Jesus talked about. Those are the ones that get in our way. Tonight, as we close, I'd like you guys just to, in this sanctification process, it is a place where, like I said, it's a dying and a pursuing. It's a laying yourself before the Lord's just saying, here I am, God. Here I am. He will justify us, but what He wants to do is make, He wants to move us from that place. When you see that in Ephesians where He talks about the bride, I'm reminded this last week when I was away, we went to my, my nephew's wedding. And they did something different. It was a Jewish wedding and he wanted to do something different. So what they did was the bride stood up at the front like Jesus, the church, He says that we, we're, we're like the church, the bride of Christ. She waited for Him. And my nephew, he came running down the aisle when, when it was time. And it, 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 it depicted to me exactly what Jesus is looking. He's looking for us to look like that bride up there. Beautiful, adorned, holy. A virgin. What's neat about those two is they decided they were going to do this betrothal. They, they wouldn't see each other for 12 days. And then, it, and then as he came running down, that was the first time he got to see her in 12 days. So there was an excitement. He, he ran down that aisle and he embraced her and he kissed her. And... You knew it was real because he, there was all this pent up, you know, I can't wait to... See. And that's how Christ looks at us. But if we stop and thwart the process with staying at a moral happiness or a moral ground, we will never be that picture of what He talked about. Sanctified. Make her holy. I don't care what you've done tonight. He can make you holy. See, His process, His process can change. It doesn't matter what you've ever done. You may have been a demon worshiper. It doesn't matter. He can make you holy. Tonight, let's all stand.
faces down to the ground in your presence, Lord, with our tears, we wash your feet, we bow low, we bow low, falling on our knees, we bow low, we bow low to the King of Kings. down to the ground in your presence, Lord, with our tears, we wash your feet, we bellow, we bellow, falling on our knees, we bellow, we bellow to the Lord, with our tears, 
bow low, falling on our knees. We bow low, we bow low, falling on our knees. We bow low, we bow low to the King of Kings. Thank you.